Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Well, good morning, Simple Church. How's everybody doing today? Oh, you guys are hardly awake. Y'all ain't even ready for me today. I think I've had all my coffee and your coffee as well. That's, uh, that's the way that goes. The morning's gone. But welcome to Simple Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so glad that you guys decided to be here and worship with us today here at Simple Church. If it is your very first time here, we want to make you feel welcome. And so this round of applause is for you to let you know you're welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, thank you. We are uh, in the middle of a series. We actually started just a couple weeks ago, and we're on week three of a series called Heroes, God of the Underdogs, and uh, we're, we're going to jump in on our next uh, underdog here today. But, but the series is really all about taking a look at what God chooses to do and how he chooses to do it in our lives. And if you look across the Bible, if you look at all the characters, the ones that made an impact, the ones that did anything great, they were all underdogs. In fact, if you even look at Jesus' story, Jesus would have been considered an underdog during his time. Now today we know he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We, we know that about him, but the people of his time would have seen humble birth, born in a manger, carpenter's son. They would not have looked at him like he was the Messiah they were expecting. In fact, he was not the one they were expecting. They, they thought that the Messiah was going to be some tyrant and this ruler that would come in and obliterate the Romans and set them free and make them rule the world. And Jesus was not that. Jesus was an underdog by, by all definitions of, of what an underdog should be. And God always picks underdogs to make a difference. But with, at being underdogs, every time God chooses you, you have the opportunity to become something better, something greater, to become a hero of the faith, as, as I would say. And I think for me and you, we all have the same opportunities that every underdog in the Bible had, right? We have the same potential, but in order to become a hero of the faith, to become somebody who makes a difference, who makes an impact in our communities, in our marriages, in our relationships, wherever, on the job, if you want to be that person, or you want to tap into that potential, you've got to do what every underdog in the Bible did, and that's over- overcome the underdog's excuse. See, an underdog is not just counted out because somebody said so. They've got things to overcome. And so this whole series is exploring all these different underdog excuses and helping us overcome them so that we can tap into what God wants to do in our lives. Last week, we talked about our first underdog, and it was King David, right? We know David. In fact, if you've ever watched uh, the Rocky movies, when, when Rocky went up against the Russian, you know, they said, it's David and Goliath. If I say David and Goliath, everybody knows who that is. Whether you're a Christian or not, you get the idea. It's kid against the really big guy. It's the impossible. It's the the typical underdog scene, and this is who it is. And before David was King David, before he was giant killer David, he was just David. He was just a kid. And here's a kid who had to overcome this excuse of not being thought qualified for the job. In fact, when Samuel shows up to anoint the king, dad doesn't even call him from the fields. He says, he's not even worthy of being here in this lineup. And so David didn't start out as King David. He started out with, with something to overcome. And so we talked about that last week. If you weren't here last week, 
and you have not heard that message, you can download the app. All of our messages are there in podcast form. You can listen to all of them. That'll be a blessing to you, and you can catch up this week. Uh, Maybe as you drive to work or work out. How many of you guys work out? Bless God, we gotta gotta get our, our time in at the gym. You can listen to something. And so, uh, so you can listen to that. That'll be a po- the, uh, blessing to you. But today we're going to look at our next underdog, and his name is Jacob. And Jacob had to overcome the excuse because he's a guy who had a, a label that was holding him back. A label that was holding him back. And so here's the truth that I want you to walk away with today, and I'm going to give it to you completely up front, right here, right now, because one of two things may happen today. You may need to leave or you may fall asleep. And if either of those things happen, I want you to know the truth right here of where's what I need you to get today. And it's this. The labels we accept determine the way that we live. If you're taking notes, this is a good one to write down. This is the point of the message today. The labels we accept determine the way we live our lives. When I talk to people and they, they come to me and they're sharing their heart with me and they're like, Aaron, you know, I want this to change in my life or this is going on or I've got this behavior that I want to stop or this behavior that I want to begin. Every time I talk to them, I know that, that all of those things, the things they want to stop, the things they want to begin, the, the problem is found not in the things that they're doing but in their core beliefs. It's what they believe about themselves that affects them, that causes them to do what they do. So if you want to stop or start a particular behavior, you have to identify that core belief in your life that will affect that behavior. In the same way, labels we accept determine what we believe, affecting us at our core. And ultimately, they determine the way that we live our lives. So today we're going to look at labels and how we, just like Jacob, the underdog, have to overcome labels. Now, when I think labels, I think grocery store, right? How many of you guys are there with me? You're thinking grocery store, you're thinking that whole experience, you're like, I'm imagining like an aisle, right? And I've got tons of products to choose from. And when you walk up to a product, the label is not just the thing on the back, the label starts on the front, right? And what does it tell us? The label tells us the brand name. That's important to us sometimes, unless you're like me and you just want the great value, Kroger or you want the the Walmart version, Um, I don't even remember what that is, but it's a white label, like, right? We want that one, it's cheaper. But you look for the brand name, and then once you find the brand name, you start looking for the contents, because the label will also tell you the contents, right? And then if you flip it around on the back, you find on there, you, you say there are recommended portions, right? They say, okay, this is how much of this that you should eat. And then it also gives you like the, the daily, you know, your daily allowances, like, hey, this is what you need to eat, or this is the percentage of, of a healthy diet. It gives you all that. It also gives you the ingredients, right? It tells you what the stuff is made of. So when you look at these labels, you, you, you can look at them and you say, all right, I want to make a decision, and you flip it around and you read the label. That's what labels do. They help us determine what we're going to do. How many of you guys really wish that, like, people had labels? You know what I mean? Like, when you come to Simple Church, we have everybody get a name tag, so that way we can break down those barriers of, oh, geez, I don't remember that person's name, so we don't go talk to them. So we all wear name tags, you know. You can or you can't. That's fine, you know. You don't have to be a part, but I'm just blessed with you. But, if we, but we all wear name tags. But this name tag, all it says is Aaron, right? It doesn't tell you who my parents are. <laughs> it doesn't tell you, like, you know, were they good people? Is this guy going to be a good guy? You know, it doesn't tell you that. It doesn't tell you what I'm made of, right? Like, what kind of integrity does this guy have? Is he a good guy? It doesn't tell you any of that. We really wish that on some people's, like, they came with a label and it had, like, recommended dosages. You know what I mean? Like, hey, this is about how much you can stand of this person in particular, right? <laughs> but, but labels tell us. They, they tell us whether we want to engage, you know, whether, 
whether we want to we want to buy that product. And marketers are aware of this. They're aware that that your behavior, whether you're going to buy a product or not, is based on that label. And sometimes it's how that label looks. If it's pretty, if it says, "Hey, I'm attractive, come buy me." If it's fun colors, you know, they they have people that research this kind of stuff to figure out how to control your behavior and get you to buy things. It's labels. And if you don't buy a particular product, or maybe to respur your interest in a product, they'll change the product label. They say, 20% more. I always love that. Anytime I see a 20% more and the cans look the same size, you know, you ever seen that? And I pick them up and I look at it, it's the same exact amount. 20% more of what? Ink on the label? Like, what are you getting at? What 20% more am I getting in this can? Scam is what it is. But they know that you will live your life, that you will make decisions based on that label. And what's important that we, we realize is, is that these labels, not just on canned food, but the labels that we have on ourselves, the labels that we accept, determine how we live our lives. Because you have to choose to accept a label in order for it to affect you. Right? Like for me, in my life, if you look across your life, you probably wear a lot of different labels. For me, one of the labels that I wear is dad. Okay? You say, okay, so you went and had a kid. No, no, no. No, that's father. See, dad is a whole different thing, right? The, the whole father label was thrust upon me when I made a child, but when I had a child and decided to be a dad, I chose to accept that because how many of you guys know men who father children but are not a dad? You know what I'm saying? There's a difference there, and so I've chosen to accept that label of dad, and I love my kids, and I spend time with them, and, and, and I invest into them, and, and I decided to do that. Because I think it's of the utmost importance to invest in your kids and to love them, to be that dad role. And of course, accepting that label of dad means I do lots of things that I wouldn't normally do. Like, I'm not the guy, first of all, let me ask you, you don't need to answer too enthusiastically, first service really got me, but do I look athletic to you? I'm not, okay? I am not athletic. And just because I played soccer all growing up does not mean that I'm an athletic kind of guy. Uh, in fact, I, I did play soccer in high school, but there was only 11 of us that tried out, and they only needed 10, you know what I'm saying? So I was the extra guy. I was on the team, but I'm not very athletic. And so my kids, they, they're going to play soccer, and they're playing sports, and they said, Dad, we want you to coach. Will you coach us? Oh. Why? Well, I, I played in high school. Yeah, that's why we want you to coach us. Oh, Okay. Not wanting to really explain that to him, I said, sure, I'll, I'll coach. So I accept a, another label. That because I'm a dad, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be coach. And I showed up on the soccer field, and I decided to coach my first team, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do stretches. We're going to do laps. When you're finished with that, we're going to run another lap. We got balls, and we're going to kick them that way. Not the face, please. That's all I had. I didn't know how to coach. I didn't know how to lead a team. I didn't know drills. I didn't know any of that, but I had accepted this role and said I was going to coach this team. We weren't very good the first year, but I want to tell you, I kept at it. See, accepting this label of dad meant that I was going to work hard at being a coach, being a good coach for my kids. And so I, I, I went online, and I learned about different drills. I learned that you need to play a game with the kids every time, and I don't mean a scrimmage. I mean like a silly game so that they stay engaged with it, and they have something to look forward to and work towards. And I learned all these different strategies, and guess what? The last year that I coached soccer, our team, completely undefeated. 
Completely undefeated. We went through the tournament. Guess who won? Our team. I wasn't out on the field, you know, just a bunch of little kids. I'd have dominated. Seriously, let me play soccer now. <laughs> Some of you will let that sink in. We'll talk a little slower for you this morning. But, but they won. Now, there was only four teams. That doesn't matter. They were awesome. We, and I got to take home a medallion. I, I got good at the coaching thing. I'm not the greatest coach. But I, I accepted that because of my dad label, right? And there's so many of you. You guys have, have, have different labels, too. One of my labels is, 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 has to do with my occupation. I'm pastor. Anywhere I go, whether I'm up here or in this building at all, I'm still pastor. People want to talk to me here. They want to, they want to share their life. They want to ask me for advice. Or they, want to, they want me to help lead them spiritually here in this building. If they see me at Kroger's, they want the same thing. I've accepted this role. I've accepted this label of pastor. I'm, I'm thrilled with it, and, that's, and I'm going to do that. It determines the way that I live my life. But let me ask you something. Have you ever met anybody that when you find out one of the labels that they wear in their life, it makes you a skosh uncomfortable? You know what I mean? Like somebody's do got an occupation, or somebody's got like, I don't just something that they do. It just makes you go, whoa. A few years ago, I went to Las Vegas with my wife. And uh, we, we were our first night there. My wife just wanted to chill out. She wanted to hang out in the hotel and just, just stay there and get something to eat. And uh, I, I do I, I'm, my hobby and side thing that I like to do. I do sleight of hand and magic and things. And there's a lot of magicians in Las Vegas that I knew. And I was just waiting for an opportunity to get together with them and hang out. And my wife said she was going to stay. I said, oh, baby, can I go play with the magic guys, please? <laughs> it's as nerdy as it sounds. It is. And so she said, yeah, go ahead. And so I'm, I'm sitting in the lobby and I'm waiting on them to come. You know, they got, at the hotels, they've got those, those um, areas where you can pull in and pick people up. And so I'm just kind of sitting there. I'm sitting on a bench. And I'm minding my own business. And I don't really know a stranger. And uh, I talk to anybody. Hi, Jesse. How are you? See? I talk to anybody. And um, I'm sitting there. And in walks this gal. And she sits down next to me. And I just start talking to her. Yeah, hey, how are you? She's asking me who, where I'm from. You know, we're just having chit-chat. You're in Las Vegas. What are you doing here? Are you seeing any shows? Yeah, yeah. And so I return. I said, so do you live here? Yeah, I'm here. I work here. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm engaged, you know, talking to her. My wife's not there. She's, she's off in the hotel. Oh, that's great. Waiting on my ride. And I said, so, so what do you do? What kind of work do you do here? Well, I'm a call girl. You're a call girl. So you can't just hear things like that and just assume it means something bad, you know. I believe the best in people, right? Like, and I'm like, oh, what, so, so what does that mean exactly? Are you just... Are you like the pretty girl who goes on, on the guy's arm, you know, you go out on a date and you're the, just the, you're the eye candy for the night and they pay you for that? She pointed back to the hotel and said, well, it's more of an up and down kind of thing, if you know what I mean. And it was at that moment <laughs> that her label made me feel a little uncomfortable. Not because of what she did, but because I knew if my wife found me talking to her, I was a dead man. So I said, oh, really? That's really interesting. That's awesome. Well, I hope that's, that's, really, that's really great. Like, I was looking for a rescue, and thank God she got a phone call and got up and, and, and left. But, it, but her label made me uncomfortable. What's funny is, 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 is as a pastor, you, you think people are be happy to see you, happy to know who you are, but when they meet you and they find out you're a pastor, I kind of get the same response. Oh, you're a pastor. Well, my grandma lives by a church. <laughs> Great. 
even know what to say to that. But I, when I meet somebody, you know, especially when it's outside of this context, I just ask them lots of questions. In fact, there's a couple here that I met today. What did I do to you guys? You're going to confirm. I just asked you a bunch of questions. Did I tell you I was the pastor of the church? Nope, just came up. Who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? What's your work? Because I make sure all the questions are about them because people get uncomfortable when they find out I'm the pastor. Oh, so I keep the conversation going, and then they'll slip it in there. So what do you do? And it's like, all right, here it comes. I'm a pastor. I'm not ashamed of what I do. I just know how it's going to affect them. And here's what happens every single time I tell them my label. They go like this. They look up and to the left because they're replaying our entire conversation in their head. How many times did I just swear? How many dirty jokes did I just tell? Did I talk about a movie I shouldn't have talked about? Like, they are legit concerned. All of a sudden, it's like... And like a spot on the wall becomes the most interesting thing in the room, and they got to go. Deuces, I'm out. It happens often. And so this is, this is one of my labels. This, this is what it is. I had one guy who shook my hand when he found out I was a pastor, started acting like his hand was burning because he was a straight-on sinner, and he knew it. And he's like, oh, my hand, it's, it's burning. I'm like, this is just like the weirdest response to ever meeting somebody and finding out. But we all have different labels. And the labels that we have accepted determine the way that we live our lives. You all have labels. You, you, have, you have labels that you wear. Some of them it's mom. Some of you it's friend. Others of you it's spouse. And as a result of being a spouse, you now you don't stay out all night long. You go to bed earlier. You don't party anymore. When you're driving home, you've got a routine. You call her or him and say, hey, how's it going? Do you need anything? Like you behave differently because of that label spouse. If you don't, maybe that's why your marriage is in trouble. Just saying. That was free. So others of you, you wear a label. Maybe you say, well, I'm a hard worker or, or you're good looking. Now, let me tell you something about the good looking label. If you have that label and you've accepted it and you know it, your whole life is different than everybody else's, right? You've just got this swagger about you, this confidence. You can talk to anybody, you can say anything, you can go anywhere because you know you're good looking. You have accepted that label. That's a good one to have. Or maybe some of you say, I'm smart. You've got that label or you're athletic. Not mine, not athletic. Or funny. Like when I was younger, I really wanted to be funny. Unfortunately, though, I wasn't. I wanted that label. My older brother was funny. He was hilarious. Anytime I tried to tell a joke when I was a kid, my parents would look at me and go, let your brother tell it, please. Oh. They labeled me unfunny, and I said, no, no, I'm going to be funny. So I started studying. How do you tell a joke? What's the right timing, right? How, what's the cadence? Well, how do you do a punchline? And now I tell jokes. I just wanted to be like my older brother. He was funny. But all these labels determine the way that we live our lives, and they determine how we view ourselves, and they affect every interaction that we have with people. So far, the labels that I've talked about, they've been really positive. But what about the negative labels in your life? If I were to sit down and talk with you, what we're likely to talk about is not the positive labels that you have, it's probably the negative labels that you have, the things that make you uncomfortable, the things that, that cause you to do the things you don't like, or the things that you do that make you feel horrible about yourself. Things like a label like maybe ugly. Some of you wear that label. That's a negative label. Somebody somewhere along your lines, you've maybe got a bad haircut one time, and somebody called you ugly, and you have worn that label the rest of your life. No matter how many people have told you that you're beautiful, 
no matter how many comments you get on your Facebook pictures or how many likes you get when you post up a picture of yourself, selfie, everybody loves it. Now, how much your boyfriend or girlfriend or people in your life tell you how beautiful you are, you may say thank you, or if you're my daughter, she says yes. She did when she was younger. We fixed that. She says thank you now. But you, you may respond to that and say thank you, but in your heart you're like, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm not. And you doubt it. They're just saying that because they're being nice. Others of you wear a label of unwanted, fat, dumb, fake, failure. I wore the fat label for a long time, most of my life, actually. I was a husky kid. Like, you know, there's kids that you're just husky the majority of your life. You're just saving up for your growth spurt is really what you're doing. And that's what I was doing, buddy. When I hit 17, I stretched out, and I was thin, I was lean, but I still wore the label of fat. I still wore it. I've, I've worn it for the longest time in prayer. I've said, God, i got to deal with this. I'm the fat kid inside. No matter how I look, I'm still a fat kid, and I behave like a fat kid. I ordered and ate. I hung out with the fat kids, man. We went to the restaurant. We got 40 wings because that's what the fat kid does. I'm just saying. I was a fat kid inside. Somebody put that label on me. And I began to live it out. Others of you have the label of inadequate, overdramatic, mean, or mistake. Man, that's a rough one. A lot of parents talking to their kids say, we didn't mean to make you. You were an accident or you were a mistake. And let me tell you something. That label hangs out on a kid's life and does damage that you cannot even begin to believe. You didn't mean to make me. You didn't mean to bring me into this world. But we love you now that you're here. That doesn't make up for the label you just put on them of mistake. These labels may come from parents or people in authority, friends, others that you trust, the popular kids, your coworkers, or your boss. And in moments of indiscretion or moments of heated conversations or moments of high emotions, moments of jesting, maybe somebody was joking, they put a label on you. Whether the label is positive or negative, it has affected you for your entire life. If it's been a negative label, it's something that's held you back from your full potential. And I promise you what God wants to do in your life. I guarantee you as you're sitting there today, you're, and we're talking about the negative labels, you can go down the list and you can tell me what they are. You know what they are. You know the labels people have put on you. Maybe somebody put one on you this week. This is a lifelong battle for you. It's a lifelong struggle. We all are going to struggle with those labels. But you can list them. You say, Aaron, are you just trying to make me cry? Are you just trying to make it so we got to hug it out at the end of service? No. No, I think it's paramount that we understand the labels that are on our lives because our labels that we accept determine the way that we live. It's so important that we understand, especially the negative ones that are there, identifying them and begin to deal with them. Because if we don't, we limit ourselves. We limit what God wants to do in our lives. We limit what he can do through us for others, in our communities, in our homes. We have to understand. When I was in school, there was boys in my class. They were all the popular kids. They were funny, and I wanted to be funny. But they were funny in a different way. They were rude. They were crude. They would put people down. A lot of sexual innuendo, a lot of dirty jokes. And I wanted to be funny. I wanted to be like them. So I started behaving like them. Talking about things I didn't understand. Saying things I, I ought not talk about. 
And one day this girl in my class, she looked at me and she said, you're a pervert. I, I don't remember what joke I told, not that I'd share it anyway. She said, you're a pervert, and that label stung. It hurt. I said, I'm not a pervert. She said, yes, you are. All you talk about is all this dirty stuff. You're a pervert. And from that time on, I really internalized that and said, I'm a pervert. And I went home and I said, I don't want to be a pervert anymore. And so I I stopped with a lot of that stuff, with a lot of the dirty jokes. I stopped with a lot of the things that I was talking about because... I didn't want to be a pervert, even though I was already living my life in a way that would represent that. We have the ability to determine the way we live our lives by simply examining the labels that we've accepted. I refused the pervert label, and I gave it up, and it changed my life forever, truthfully. We have to believe that our labels can change, that what our parents said about us, that what somebody put on us, can be changed, that we don't have to live that reality forever. So my question is to you, what if, what if God could change your label? What would that look like for you? Do you know what his label would be that he'd put on you? We're going to talk a little bit about that today, and we're going to talk about that through Jacob's story. Jacob had a label that was put on him by his parents, and it was nothing that he did to deserve it. It was something that was put on him when he was born. Jacob's parents were Isaac and Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah's parents were Abraham and Sarah. Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. He's the guy that God chose and said, hey, I'm going to use you to create this nation of the Jews. So he and his wife Sarah have a child. And when God tells Sarah, who's over 90 years old, you're going to have a baby, she laughs. And so she names her son Isaac. Why? Because she laughed. And Isaac means laughter. So at the time, whatever circumstances were surrounding your birth, or how you came out of the womb, determines your name. It would be really unfortunate if there was a bunch of kids running around named Slimy. You know what I'm saying? That's how they came out. Wow. First service, rocked that one. Don't label you. <laughs> and so your, your name, so Isaac, Jacob's father, his name's Isaac, his mom laughed. Well, mom, Rebecca and Isaac are trying to have children. They can't have kids. Long time, they pray, God, help us. We need kids. We want kids. We want kids. God finally grants them the answer to the prayer, and she gets pregnant. She gets pregnant with twins, and she is, like, tripping during this whole pregnancy. She's having dreams. God is talking to her about the babies in her womb, telling her what's going to happen. It's nuts. She's really struggling with it, and the time comes for her to have the child. And here's where we pick up our story in Genesis 25. It says, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twins, twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. They named him Esau because Esau means hairy. So there's that, that title. Gave him a label. You're hairy dude, Esau. That's, so why, I don't know why they didn't just call him Harry, but that's fine. Whatever. I guess that's our word. It's spelled differently. Neither here nor there. It's said the same. <laughs> After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Now, they don't give us a reason why. They simply say that his hand was grasping Esau's heel. When you understand Jewish culture and understand the day, you, you learn that they had a saying around that time, one who grasped the heel. And this saying was, was relegated to Jacob's birth. 
And they said that one who grasps the person's heel is a deceiver, somebody who lies. They're a trickster. And so they named him Jacob, which means deceiver, because he was grabbing his brother's heel on the way out of the womb. Now, how fair is that? Can you imagine being Jacob all your life? Jacob is a very common name today, but at the time, it would have been like calling him, hey, deceiver, how are you doing today? How was your day today? Is he good? Come on in, deceiver. Deceiver, get in here right now. Esau, deceive. What? You know who you are. Get in here. You know how you get with your kids when you're angry. And so he's being called deceiver. His parents have labeled him deceiver. Just because he was grabbing his brother's heel. From the time he was born, Jacob had been labeled. He had been labeled deceiver. And I would tell you that if you're like Jacob, if you've been called deceiver all your life, at some point in time you're going to accept that label. Whatever it is people have put on you, if they keep on calling you that, if you don't reject that, if you just start to accept it, you're going to start behaving in the way that is, that is likened to that label. Jacob was called deceiver all of his life. All of his life. And guess what? Jacob's life is riddled with deception. He deceives his brother. He deceives his dad. All for really, really big things. And these are only the big things we know about. He deceives his father-in-law. And all he does, clear across all the time, the story that we read in the Bible, he is breaking and destroying relationships. Because he's a deceiver. He's causing this brokenness in his life because he's living up to his label. I think it's sad that many of us, we've earned our label. We, we've earned our label, right? Like when I was a kid, I was called Boogerlizer because somebody caught me picking my nose one time, and that was it. I was Boogerlizer, and I chased everybody around the house. Don't call me Boogerlizer. I earned that. But there are so many labels that are put on us that we didn't earn, that we had nothing to do with. Maybe you were born into poverty, so people have called you poor. Or you were born in Michigan, and so everybody hates you because of that, which is completely understandable. <laughs> Just kidding. OH! There we go. We don't hate you. We love you. We'll pray for you. But this is, this is Jacob. He's got a negative label on his life that he did nothing to earn. He simply came out of the womb holding onto his brother's heel. It's a negative label. And he accepts this label of deceiver. And so where we pick up his story, and where I'm going to read today, he's desperate, he's running, he's broken. He's scared. In fact, he's running for his life. Because he's deceived his brother, and his brother is going to literally kill him. He's not like going to give him a noogie or a purple nurple if he catches him. He's literally going to kill the dude. And Jacob's running, and this is what he prays. Genesis 28. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me this way that I go, I will, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I may come again to my father's house in peace. See, he wanted to come back, not in the same way that he left. He's not leaving his dad's house in peace. He's leaving it in turmoil. He's leaving it with, with brokenness. In other words, he's identifying something in his life and saying, I want to be able to come back changed. I need to be different. I need this off of me. I don't want to come back and be the same guy. 
And so Jacob takes off and says, then the Lord shall be my God. And Jacob knew that his behaviors were landing him in hot water. He knew he needed to change, that he had hurt too many people, broken too many relationships, and now he's suffering the consequences. Jacob wanted to change his label. So he heads off, and he's heading off. He's going to go find a wife, and he winds up at his uncle's house. And he winds up being there for nearly 20 years, working for his uncle. He takes two wives, has 11 kids. And all throughout, guess what he does? Manipulating, deceiving, breaking relationships. Jacob is doing exactly what he's always done. And it's exhausting. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That thing, that, thing that, that way that you live, that label that you bear is, is exhausting to you. It wears you out. Whenever you get excited about whatever it is that God's put in front of you to do, you, you remember your label and it sucks the joy and the life right out of you. It cripples you, polarizes you. You can't move. And this is what's happening to Jacob. He's exhausted again. The way that he's living his life has led to brokenness. Maybe it's the same for you. That brokenness has led to brokenness in your finances, brokenness spiritually, brokenness in your marriage, brokenness in your parenting and your relationships with your kids, broken trust. You aren't sure what the problem is, but you, just like Jacob, you know you want peace. You know you want to have that. You want out from under that label, but you don't know how to change. You've read your self-help books. You've talked to a counselor. Maybe you watch Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil every day, but you just don't know how to change. And nothing does change for you, just like Jacob. So Jacob runs, and he goes to his, his uncle's house where he lives, and he works for him for all those times, and he deceives, and he's now on the run because his uncle is irritated with him yet again. Genesis 32 says, Then Jacob prayed, O God, my father Abraham, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. Because remember, Esau wants to kill him. For I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Look, what's he doing? He's turning to God. Hey, God, I've messed this up again. I know I prayed 20 years ago and I asked you to take care of this for me and to bring me home in peace, but I've messed this up again. I'm leaving this place in the same condition I left this place. What I'm doing is not working. You've promised me that I would have descendants and that, I, that, I, that, that they would be as numerous as the sand of the sea. I don't know how you're going to do that if Esau kills me. I need your help. And he turns it over to God, which I think is a very powerful thing to do. How many times is that thing that's wrecking your life, you've turned it over to God and said, Lord, I repent. Lord, please forgive me. Look, take this from me. I'm sorry. Let me me go a different direction. And yet, you turn right back to it. See, you're just like Jacob. Jacob does the same thing. Look, the verse continues on. It says, he spent the night there. And from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams and a partridge and a pear tree. Look, he's got a bunch of animals, okay? And he is getting them together as a gift. And he put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself, and said to his servants, Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, When my brother 
Esau meets you and asks, who do you belong to and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you? Now, you need to stop for just a second. You can't read your Bible. You've got to read your Bible, right? You've got to look and see what it's saying. He said, when you go, take these animals, put them in herds, but keep a space in between you. Why? He wants Esau to think the parade of gifts that is coming is much bigger than what it is. He doesn't want just a quick line. He doesn't want a parade that's going to be over in five minutes. He wants it to stretch out into 20 minutes so that Esau feels like, dear God, he's giving me, who's, who's giving me all these this livestock. Jacob, who's already confessed that he's made a mess of things, is going right back to exactly what he always does. He's manipulating. He's deceiving. He's lying. He instructed the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you and asks, who do you belong to and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you're to say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift, to, gift sent to my lord Esau and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second, the third, and all the elders who followed with the herds. You were to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later, when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. He lied. He wasn't going. <laughs> I'm sending all this stuff. I'll be right behind you. Nope. Jacob's trying to bribe his brother, thus reinforcing his label. How many times are we like this? We pray and we pray and we want things to change and we ask God to take it and we turn something over to him and then we jump right back in and we handle it ourselves. We don't trust him with it. The verse continues on and says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. But they say that this man that he wrestled with was either an angel from the Lord or possibly an incarnation of Christ. However you believe, it doesn't really affect your salvation. Theologians are not really sure on who he was wrestling with. But they know that Jacob is wrestling. It seemed to me like Jacob was wrestling before he even met this guy. He was wrestling in prayer. He was wrestling internally because he's headed towards danger. He's wrestling. He has no peace. He has no surety or security that when he gets up to his brother that his brother's not going to slice him up. He's wrestling. And so he wrestles with the man. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, that's Jacob, he, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, I don't know if you're wrestling with somebody that you believe to be God, like actually physically doing it, would I, what would you ask for? Like, I'll take some gems and a pizza. Thank you. Like, what would you ask for? Millions of dollars? How would you expect the God of the universe to bless you? I'm not letting you go until you bless me, he says. And watch what God does. He doesn't offer him wealth. He doesn't offer him power. He doesn't offer him much by way of things and stuff. He blesses him by asking, what's your name? What's your label? The one thing Jacob is wrestling with, the one thing Jacob needs the most, is that label dealt with. He doesn't know it. Maybe doesn't even realize it. The label's been with him so long, it's probably a part of him. And he asks God to bless him, and he says, what's your name? He says, Jacob. 
he confesses his label. And the man said, and then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. You may recognize that name, Israel. Israel is the nation of Israel. The twelve sons that Jacob has are the twelve tribes of Israel. This is the guy, and in this moment he goes from being an underdog to a hero. His story changes. A moment of confession changes his whole story. And here's the thing. I think that when we begin to wrestle within ourselves, when we do the work of identifying those labels, I think that, that when we become honest about them, that's when we begin to heal. That's when we begin to see change in our lives, when we confess them to God. Because truth is, is only God could change Jacob's label. And it's the same for you and me. Only God can change your label. Why is the label important? Because it determines the way we live our lives. It's important. When Jacob the, wrestle, the deceiver wrestled with God, he asked him to bless him. And the blessing was a name change. God changed his label and he was no longer going to be called deceiver. That thing that was wrecking his life. God took it because only God can. And today, here's the challenge. I want to ask you to identify your label. You need to know what those labels are in your life. You need to identify them. You need to confess them. You need to say it. Say it to someone. Say it somehow. You need to confess it. And what's crazy is, is when you go through this process, when you really begin wrestling with this, and you confess those negative labels to God, and you allow Him to begin dealing with them. Just like with Jacob, as he wrestled with God, he came away from that whole thing walking different. He had a limp. A limp that was celebrated. It was celebrated because it was the moment that everything changed. So Jacob didn't live a life of a deceiver anymore. He lived the life of a father of many nations. Very different. We don't read any more deception from him. He's a very different man. And I believe that today, that if you wrestle with this, if you'll confess, that you can walk away today walking different. The way you live out your life can be different. And we're going to give you an opportunity for do that, to do that today. We've got this, hello, I'm over here. It's like a name tag that we all wear. We're going to play a song in just a moment, and I'm going to open it up to this room. If you feel led to, I'll, we'll turn the board around so that nobody gets to see, but if you want to confess your label, if you want to get it out there, maybe you've never told anybody before what your label is. What holds you back? What keeps you down? I want to invite you to get out of your seat while we're playing the song and go write your label down. Write it down. Confess. You can begin today to walk your life differently. You have a choice. Will today be a day that you celebrate? Because today is when it all changed. I've wrestled with this this week. It's not easy. There's pain that comes to the surface. A lot of emotions that you probably haven't dealt with in years. But this is where healing begins. This is where life change begins. It's your choice. I'm not going to, you don't need, to, I'm not making anybody get out of their seat. You don't need to feel bad if you're uncomfortable doing that. But if you feel like today's your day and you want to draw a line in the sand, 
You can join me. I'm going over there. I'm going to write something down. And then I'm going to have something incredibly freeing and peaceful about confession, isn't there? And when you free yourself of that thing, when you confess it, when you say it, when you write it down, when you turn it over to God, that your heart and your life becomes free. Today, I'm thankful for all those of you that are willing to be honest. Those of you that would like to be honest in more of a private way, if you want to write them down in your connection cards, you can. We encourage you to do that. We'll pray with you. And pray that God see that change happen in your life. You know what's incredible, though, is while I believe that God is working and moving among us and you walk out of this place different today, because of this, because of what he's doing in your heart, because you are honest, because you confess, when you read Jacob's story, for three more chapters in the Bible, he still calls himself Jacob. He's still known as Jacob, even though God changed his name. And three chapters later, God shows up and says, nope, you're Israel. And he reminds him. And it's from then on that we read that his name is Israel. This is a process. You will walk out of here today and you'll remember that label. But I want to challenge you that each time that label holds you back, it's not who I am anymore. It's not who God says that I am anymore. I challenge you to get into your Bible and find out who He says that you are. For those of you that believed you're unlovable, you are loved. For those of you who say that I'm forgiven, I'm hopeless, He says there is hope and you are forgiven. There is so much found in Christ that He offers you. And He's here today to change your label. And so we're going to wrap up today's, today's service. And, but there are some of you here today in this room your label has been unbeliever for a long time. Maybe it's been atheist or agnostic. I'm not sure. Maybe it's been Buddhist, Muslim. Today you feel Christ beckoning at your heart. And today you want to change that label to believer, Christ follower. You say, Aaron, how do I do that? Simple. However relationship begins with a conversation. We call it prayer. So if every head would bow and every eye would close, I'll lead you through that conversation today. There are those of you here today, you say, Aaron, I've been an unbeliever for far too long, and today I want to put my hope, my faith, my trust in Christ. If that's you and you'd say, Aaron, that, that's me, I'd identify as that, I'll give you an opportunity to let me know that you're here. If you just shoot your hand up in the air and say, Aaron, that's me, count me in on this prayer you're getting ready to do. Would you do that now? Would you shoot your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me? Thank you. Prayer is simple. It goes like this. This is one of those simple prayers you can pray like every day of your life. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you came and you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead. Forgive me of my past, of my mistakes. Make me new. Take these old labels from me my heart give me your Holy Spirit and show me how to live for you and I'll spend every day doing just that it's in Jesus name we pray and Lord I pray for the rest of this congregation just taking a look at this board there are those who confess labels of being too broken of being angry aggressive not good enough stupid hurting unwanted depressed a doormat insecure, never wanted Lord I pray 
every label that we wear on our hearts and our lives, Lord, that you would take them and change them. Lord, that today we would walk out of here knowing that we don't have to live, we don't have to be that label anymore. We can be who you said we are. And that we can live our lives that way. God, I pray that every time that label tries to put itself back on our hearts and our lives, God, that you would remind us of the freedom found in Christ, that the price was paid so that we didn't have to wear that label. Remind us, strengthen us, encourage us, Lord, as we battle to live our lives for you. Help us overcome these excuses, God, so we can tap into our potential to live our lives in a way that honors you and do all that you've called us to do, all that you have given us to do. We need you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This time I'd invite our, our offering, uh, our service hosts to come. It's our, our time to receive our tithes and offering. If you are a guest with us today, we want to just thank you for being here. You're no, under no obligation to give. But if you did fill out those connections,